Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ridge Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out online at theridgechurch.net. Also, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening today. What does it mean to have community? I mean, what if you were thinking about your life and you were to evaluate your own life and you were to say, do I have community in my own life? Like, what does that look like? What does real community look like? And do we have it? You know, thinking through this message and reading through this scripture, I was thinking back, like, what is the purpose of community? And like, what do, what did, like my whole life, what did I want out of community? And I thought back to when I was younger and it was really about like getting like friends. Like we all want to be like accepted into a group. And I don't know if you can relate to that. Like you just want to be part of something, part of a crowd. And like, even at a young age, I realized that we make, like, I made terrible decisions to be part of a group just because I wanted to be included in a community. I remember going from sixth to seventh grade, going into junior high, and going into from a small school into a larger school and wanting to be accepted and find community somehow. It was almost like a desperate feeling, like, you know, like, who, who, will, who will be my friend? Who can I, you know, be close with? And there was a, there was a, a boy who invited me over to his house, and he invited, uh, invited an, uh, a group of boys, and I didn't know any of them well. And we get there, and they actually invited me to go out in the neighborhood at nighttime and prank people. And I had never done this before. They, they would go up to doors, and they would knock on them, and then they would run away, and they would hide. And there was, a, there was a family that they would go do this with. And I was like, oh, you know, and I'm like, oh, do I want to do this? I don't. And I remember being that young and being like, I don't want to do this at all. But thinking, I want community. I want to be part of something, so I will go. So I went along, and I remember sitting there and watching as one of the boys, like, ran up to the door and was like, bam, 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 and hit the door and then ran, ran away. And I remember the guy coming out, and I was just, my heart was like, this is not right. And the guy came out, and we were sitting all there, and the, and the boys were all laughing, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, and the police show up. And I'm like, oh, no, this is like the worst. So the police take us all back to the friend's house, and they call my dad, and my dad has to come pick me up at this place with all these other boys. And you talk about, that was just a, a horrible experience, but a learning experience, because I sacrificed what I believed was right in order to be part of what? A community, because I craved that so much. And isn't that like how we all are? We want to be accepted. We want to be able to fit into this thing, uh, into different communities. I was thinking about, um, like when you think about communities, there's all sorts of different communities, like if we look at um, you know, hobbies and interests and all these things almost are, are separate communities in our lives. And I was thinking about different hobbies, thinking about different sports. Even uh, when the Bengals played, you know, just weeks ago, I felt like all of a sudden we were like a community. Like, oh, like Ohio in this area, we were like, yeah, we're together. And it was like a chance. And I'm not a huge sports guy, but I felt like I was part of a community. Um, and I even look at like different things like uh, the, this past week, I don't know if you heard about, there was a truck convoy that went through on 70, driving from one part of the country all the way to the other. And I came to the church here and, and I didn't realize, and I'm like, why are all these people here? Like I, I was just clueless about what was going on. And there was people out in the parking lot watching this convoy go by, but it was like miles and miles long of this community of, of people who had a common interest, what? 
because for this country and for freedom and for different ideals that they were expressing as they drove together. And I thought, that is a community, right? There's also, like, communities that I'm just like, what is going on with these communities? If you think about, um, like, I love Star Wars, but you think about the community. There's, like, a community around Star Wars and, like, Comic-Con, and you think about people who, like, dress up in, like, costumes. And, like, this, they, this is what they do. They go from place to place to place, and, like, they are part of a community, and they want to fit in. You know, I went online, and I'm like, okay, so what are some, like, the craziest communities that you could possibly imagine? There's some crazy stuff out there. But some of them I saw was there's a community of bug eaters, like people who, like, eat bugs, and, like, they want to, and then they, like, post to each other, and they, like, share recipes and stuff, I guess. I don't even understand, like, how that could be a community. Um, There was a community of uh, sneaker sales, like people who buy and then resell sneakers. Like, this is, like, a huge community that is going on. Uh, and there's also a community of pet influencers, which I thought was funny. And if you've ever seen that, it's like people who, it's like they post on social media, their dog is like the personality, and like there's a whole community wrapped around this. And we see that these different kind of things. Now, when you think about social media in particular, that is like shallow community. And I want to make that clear because, yes, you can be on Facebook and you could be a part of a Facebook community and you can have all of these friends, like hundreds and hundreds of friends, but there's no real depth. There's no real community in that. Um, So what does real community look like? Um, We can take something that does not have eternal significance in our life and make a community based around it. That is just the way we are. So how much more important is the church in being a community and having a relationship together? It is the ultimate thing that we want to have in common. It is the the ultimate thing that we want to circle around and have community together. Um, online, I'm, I'm part of a pastor community. Like, there's different, uh, like on Facebook, there's different groups that post things about the helpful for pastors or youth pastors. And that's nice. I get information uh, back and forth. But when I go to a pastor's community, like in, in this area, I, we went to Greenville and met with a bunch of pastors, and we actually got to sit down face-to-face talk with them, share our problems, our struggles, the things that we are, you know, that we deal with, and it was a chance to gather in community. That is totally different than the other pastor communities that are online, totally different. Um, We need deep, real relationships. Uh, So what can we learn from Scripture as we go through this? Uh, Throughout the Bible, we see relationships, and Raleigh mentioned that during Um, uh, announcements. We see all through the Bible that there is, it is all about relationships. Adam, God created Adam. And what did he say? It's not good for man to be alone. So what he did, he created Eve from Adam. And there was a relationship. We see throughout the Old Testament, God and the chosen people, the Israelites, there was a relationship there that, that was continued, that we see that story. And then we go into the New, the, the New Testament, and we see um, Jesus' relationship with the disciples. We see so many more relationships, and ultimately our relationship with God the Father. Now, as we had finished the Gospel of John, uh, we got to see the ministry of Jesus. We saw his teaching. We saw what? His relationships with the disciples uh, and then Jesus, what, went to the cross. He willingly died. He rose again. He was resurrected. And we see that um, because of that, his willingness to do that, that we can have our relationship restored to God the Father when we surrender to him as our Lord. 
Because of his perfect sacrifice, we can have a relationship with the Father when we surrender to him. It is all about relationships, all about relationships. Um, last week we talked about the Great Commission where Jesus instructed the disciples to what? To go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then uh, we were able to have the commissioning service last Sunday where we are so happy that our missionary family is what? They are getting to go. And what are they going to do? They're going to invest in relationships. It is all about relationships. So today as we look at the book of Acts, just to give you a little... uh, Uh, history on the book of Acts. It's known as Acts of the Apostles, all right? So if you're not familiar with this book, it is written by Luke, uh, and it is like a sequel to his gospel. So, and we're going to focus on the relationships of the first church right here and and how they interacted and what that looked like. Um, Now, this is right after Pentecost. So Pentecost is after the Holy Spirit comes upon the believers uh, just as Jesus promised. Um, So, What is Pentecost? So we talk about Pentecost. It is significant to the Old and the New Testament. Um, Pentecost is a Greek name for the Feast of Weeks. And Pentecost literally means uh, 50. So 50 days since Passover is when this is celebrated. Um, It is also the end of the grain harvest. There was was lots of meaning to what Pentecost was. And it, it was something that they celebrated. So everybody was here celebrating at this point. When, when all the disciples came together, this is when God decided and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And we see a beautiful thing happen as the church is formed, as the church is formed. It signals the beginning of the church age right here. Uh, Peter, with the help of the Holy Spirit, preaches the gospel, and 3,000 come to follow Jesus. So let's go back just a couple of verses because I want you to see this. So Acts 2, 38 through 41. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness, bore witness and continued to exhort him, uh, exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. This was the first church. So we get the opportunity to see what happens in the relationships after uh, the first church is formed. Um, Now, this is a narrative, so we can take away truth and look at how it is. Now, I realize that we are in a different location. Our context is different than than the way it is there. So what we do is we look at the principles and and how they interacted and what they did, and then we bring it over and apply it to how we interact and what we do today is what we're going to do. So what's our big idea this week? Our big idea is this. The church is made for community. The church is made for community. Now, you may be thinking, what? what? Uh, does it have to have community? I mean, I've even heard the, the expression, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And while technically that is true, that is not a healthy way uh, to look at it. Now, God sets up his church uh, through these amazing acts we see in Acts, and God intended for us to have community. It is 
his plan. It is his plan. It's not superficial community like we talk about in, in Facebook. This is deep, real relationships. And that's not easy. It's hard. It's messy when we start getting into deep, real relationships. Um, but real community is what God wants. It's his plan. Um, in, in the book that we have at the bookstore, it's called Rediscover Church. It's by Nine Marks. It says, a Christian without church is a Christian in trouble. And I 100% agree with that. A Christian without church is a Christian in trouble. There's so many things that we benefit from meeting together in a community. So we are not made to endure alone. So I would ask of you today, are you alone? Yes, today if you are here, you're sitting in a room with a, a group listening to this message, but are you alone? Do you have real community? Do you have real community? So today, let's look at the first church, and we'll see what we can learn and how we can apply it to our lives. So we'll start in verse 42. Uh, verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. So we see four things here mentioned right off the top. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and praying. Now, when we look at those four things, and I think the key word when we look at those and we evaluate what they're doing and how they're meeting together is it says that they devoted themselves to this. It's not like a casual, like, well, we think we're going to do this, and maybe we'll do this one day, or we could possibly do this. No, they devoted themselves because it was important at, at the beginning and the foundation of the church. So what do we see here about community? What is the first thing that we learn? Community requires devotion. Community requires devotion. Now, devotion to these four things is essential to the church. So 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. I want to read this to you. Uh, and I look at these things, and we see the very first thing is what? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Very important. Very, very important. 2 Timothy 3.14 says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The importance of teaching cannot be understated. We see right here that Paul says in Timothy how important it is that uh, acquainted with the sacred writings, right, that which we are able to uh, to make you wise for salvation through uh, faith in Christ Jesus. Scripture is given to us. It is breathed out by God. We need to be learning from Scripture. We have to all be on the same page when it comes to our faith and our foundation. And we have to be teaching. It is our foundation. That's why we believe it is so important here. That's why we teach uh, expositionally when we preach and we teach. We teach line by line, verse by verse. Yes, there are sometimes when we go topical, but I think it's very important to teach through the scripture. That is how we learn together. That is why we went through the entire book of John together, so we could learn. We have to be grounded in God's word. 
Jesus instructed them in the Great Commission to what? To teach them all I have commanded of you. Once again, it's this idea of teaching. It is so important. If we are to be a community, we have to be all learning the same thing. All right, so teaching. Next thing we see is fellowship. So what is that? The word is koinonia, and I love talking about koinonia, and this is this idea of close mutual association. It's sharing. It's partnership in what we look at here. It's this idea of close community, and that's exactly what they're talking about. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as the day, as you see the day draw near. This idea of what, did they, what does it say there in Hebrews, that we should meet together, not neglect meeting together as others are doing, but we need to make it a priority to meet together, to have fellowship together. This idea of breaking bread uh, is, is talked about, and uh, that is the idea of eating together. Now, we can do that. I mean, that is one thing we love to do is we love to eat together, right? Um, but also, it's, it's talking about communion. When it's a breaking of bread, this is something that Luke uses uh, before, and he's talking about communion. So not only talking about breaking bread uh, and eating and having meals together, but it's also celebrating the, the Lord's Supper in what? Remembrance of what Jesus did. So this idea of breaking bread and talking about communion. And finally, we see what? Prayer. Uh, now, this was corporately together is what I think that they were referring to, but we also need to be constantly growing in our prayer lives. And this is something that each one of us here could easily say that we're not there yet. Like, all of us uh, need to be working on our prayer life. We need to be constantly going to the Lord in prayer daily, and uh, it's something we need to strive to do. So all of these things, these four things, I want you to kind of check yourself. Are you doing these four things? Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. This must be a priority in our church, and it must be a priority to the health of our church as we meet together and as we grow together. Um, and I would even encourage the dads and, and the parents and, and as a family unit that this should also extend to this. Like, as we meet in Parent Connect, one of the things that I always want to encourage fathers to do is lead their family well. And these are four things that must be non-negotiable as you lead your family and as you participate in the fellowship of the church. All right. Let's go on. Verses 43 and 44. It says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. All right, so when we look at this, the apostles were doing signs and wonders. Uh, now, this is the apostolic age is what we call it. And just to explain that, what does that mean, the apostolic age? So uh, after Jesus is resurrected, then we look at this time in Acts, and many pinpoint this right here at Pentecost is the beginning of the apostolic age all the way until the death of John. So at that time, the, all this is referring to is the leadership and the teaching of the apostles that they did. This is the uh, apostolic age. And during this time, now remember we're in Acts. It is what? Acts of the apostles, right? So that is what we see. Now, this time frame goes to the death of John, which is about the, uh, the end of the first century. Now, we see great signs and wonders here that they are doing. 
They're doing miracles. And that signs and wonders is just like if you refer to Jesus and see what he did. It's the same phrasing, same wording, and what he did. And why are they doing this? This is setting up, it is validating who they are in this time. So people can see and understand who they are. This is, this is what God gave them these gifts to do during this time. It created awe, and awe came upon every soul. What is awe? It's in some translations, it says fear. Now, fear, not like terror, like ah, more like awe, like reverence, like awe, because of what they saw and what they understood. Now, we look at these signs and wonders that they did, and at the end of the uh, apostolic age, we see that what? All of their writing was given to us in this, God's word, God's word. So there are no apostles now. There's no more signs and wonders through apostles that we see. But we have this, God's word, which is sufficient. This is where we get truth. This is where we learn. This is where we understand the Holy Spirit helps us to understand uh, his word. So then it goes on to say, all who believed were together and had all things in common. So we see they were in awe because of what they were doing. They were establishing the church. And what? All who believed, they had what? All things in common. So what do we see here about community? Community requires unity. Community requires unity. It's right in the word, right? We have to be united. We have to be united, and we see that. And that is what it says. They had all things in common. All things in common. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, and this is Paul writing to the church of Ephesus, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now, I want to stop there just for a second, because what is Paul saying there? He, he's urging them to what walk in a manner worthy of, of what they have uh, received, right? If you have received forgiveness and you understand this grace, this incredible grace that you have been given, you want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you have been called. And he says, with what? With humility, with gentleness, with patience. All of these things is what the believer should be striving for. Bearing with one another in love. But I like what it says there because it says, eager, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit uh, in the bond of peace. So I would ask you, are you eager to maintain unity with each other? Or is it like, oh, well, I'm just going to get together on Sunday. I'm just going to get together in my life group. And are, are, is this, uh, are you eager to have this uh, community together, to maintain the unity? Um, so, all right, let's continue in verse 4. It says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now we look at this and we see a theme here that Paul is laying out is pretty clear. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith. It's all one. One baptism, one God and Father of all. This is what we have in common. 
This is the thing that brings us together as a community. And I would ask you, does that thing bring you awe? Or do you forget about the grace? Do you forget about what God has done when you come together and when you meet together? So when you think about unity, what is the opposite of unity, right? Disunity. Um, we do not want disunity. Uh, Romans sixteen seventeen says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Now, this is specifically talking about staying away from people who are calling divisions because their doctrine is different, right? They are, are not believers. But that disunity we want to stay away from, and we can't let, us, let it divide us. Unity means our mutual focus is on Christ. The gospel is what unites us. The gospel is what unites us. All right, let's go on. Verse 45. Says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now we look at that, and what is so? What is happening here? We see that there, there's people selling stuff. They're all coming together, and sometimes uh, people have taken this scripture to kind of say, well, it, then that means that they were like a commune, right? That they they were all together and they sold everything they had and they just lumped it all together and they all quit their jobs and lived on one place. That is not what this is saying at all. If you remember the context of what's happening, because of Pentecost, all of these people are visiting because of the feast, right? They have come to know Christ, so they are there, and they have nowhere to go. So in that, they are helping the people who are there. So they're inviting them in their homes, and if they need, if they are needy, they are wanting to help them in this situation. They need a place to stay. This isn't a command uh, to sell all you have. This isn't a command to join a commune. That is not what this is saying. Instead, we see that uh, we should help those that are in need. They cared for each other. That is the key. They cared for each other. So what do we see here about community? Community cares for one another. Community cares for one another. We should always be caring for each other. That shouldn't even be a second thought. That should be like a reflex for us, that we are helping each other. If we see somebody in need, we should help. That's just the way uh, we should look at the situation. This theme continues throughout Acts. Uh, but when I, when I think about this, this is a heart issue. So where is your heart today when it comes to helping those in need? Is it something that is so easy to just like put over here and not think about? Or is it something you think about helping those in need, thinking about helping those in your community? 1 John 3.16-18 through 18 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for, for the brothers. So right there stopping. This is how we know love. We see Jesus' example. He laid down his life. This is how we should also love to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We look at that and we see 
if you love, if you understand the grace that you have been given, and yet you cannot love and help other people, you should be questioning that. Your, your heart is closed against that. It says, little children, let us not love in word and talk. Don't just talk about it, right? But do it. But in deed and in truth. So doing a heart check here. Are you focused only on your needs? Community cares for one another. Community cares for one another. We have lots of opportunities to care for other people. And I think my, the first one that should pop right into your head is Target Dayton, right? We get the opportunity to go help those that are needy in Dayton. And we can serve in that way. And I'm so grateful for, for Doug and his leadership in that area and for our, a chance for us to be able to step into that and to help. But there's so many other ways to help that those that are in the community and the, even those that are in the church who are in need uh, to be able to help them. So are you caring for one another? All right, let's go on. Next verse, 46. It says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So we see there how what? They loved attending what temple together. They went to temple together and they broke bread in their homes, right? So what I would also point out there, it says in their homes. So once again, we know it's not like everybody's selling their homes because they have to have homes to meet in. So uh, they're breaking bread in their homes. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. Um, we see what? That they are glad and generous in what they are doing. Uh, but if we come to this and we look at this, I want you to focus on the first four words of this verse. And it says that this was what? Day by day. Day by day. Not just once a week. It was every day, day by day, that they were doing this together. So what do we see here about community? Community is doing life together. Community is doing life together. It's day by day. It says temple and homes, right? It's both. Not just Sunday, this is a deeper relationship in this community. You know, and I think about the way I grew up and the way I thought of church, and we get stuck in this, don't we? This country has it wrong so many times when we look at church and what it is. What? Because we think church, Sunday. Church, Sunday, one hour, go home. And that's the way we're kind of programmed, and that's the way we kind of look at it. But it is not that. We need to take that idea and just like... Just throw it away. Church is day by day. We are the church. That means we are meeting at the temple, right? We are celebrating worship together, but it's also in our homes. It is meeting together day by day. It's all about this deeper relationship. Now, doing life together is hard, though. And I say that because I know it is hard. Because a lot of times we're like, okay, well, I want to do, I want to have deeper relationships, but I'm like, oh, but I don't want to, I don't want to get messy in that, you know. So what does that look like? How can I, you know, toe the line? Like, I want deeper relationships, but I don't want to get my hands dirty, like in somebody else's mess, or I don't want to share my own mess with somebody else. Um, doing life together is hard. Colossians three twelve through fourteen says. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. 
so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We see there Paul uh, in Colossians is what? Talking about that, you know, there's going to be this kind of thing. These deep relationships are not always going to be easy. If you think about it, every relationship that you have, every deep relationship that you have, at some point or another, has been messy at some level. But that's how we want all our relationships. There will be messiness. It's not going to be easy. Why? Because all of us are sinners, saved by grace. Each and every one of us here. We are a fellowship of imperfect people, and we just have to acknowledge that. We have to come to grips with that. So we can't expect perfection from everybody else, right? We have to realize that we're dealing with imperfect people. That means we're going to have to love and bear with one another. That means we're going to have to forgive each other when we mess up because we are going to mess up. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Once again, we see this bear one an, like bear with one another, bear. It's like a reoccurring thing. And as Paul is saying here in Galatians, this is someone who is caught in a transgression. And what is it saying? It's saying that you need to help them with that transgression and help restore them with what? A spirit of gentleness, a spirit of gentleness. That is so important. If we know we're all sinners saved by grace, we're all going to mess up. So when somebody does mess up, we need to go to them, and we need to help them in that situation and come alongside them. That is doing life together, and that is how we are supposed to live. Help to restore. And I think about biblical counseling. You know, one of the things that we have just, it feels like it's just like, like growing. Our biblical counseling ministry that we offer here is, is there's, there's people coming because they realize the benefits of when you are counseling and you're going to God's word to find out how to be restored in these areas. It is so helpful. I think everybody could benefit from biblical counseling. But what do we call biblical counseling? It is intense discipleship. That is intense discipleship. It is doing life together. It is helping restore people in walking alongside them. And what? In a spirit of gentleness. In a spirit of gentleness. Um, now, the, I got a quote here from this book, Relationships, A Mess Worth Making. Um, that was also the book that Raleigh mentioned during, um, during the announcements. Relationships, A Mess Worth Making. It's by Timothy Lane and Paul David Tripp. Um, it says this. What happens in the messiness of relationships is that our hearts are revealed, our weaknesses are exposed, and we start coming to the end of ourselves. What? That's exactly what happens if you think about it. Because what we do is we walk around what? With these, with these walls up, with our, you know, our smiles on. We don't want to share. We don't want to burden other people with stuff, so we keep it all right here. So he says, what happens in the messiness of relationships is that our hearts are revealed, our weaknesses are exposed, and we start coming to the end of ourselves. Only when this happens do we reach out for help that only God can provide. Only God can help in those situations. 
It says, weak and needy people finding their hope in Christ's grace are what mark a mature relationship. You have to be broken. And in the mess of the relationship, you point to Christ, right? It's Christ's grace that marks a mature relationship. So for deep, mature relationships, you must be willing to get messy. So I would say, are you? Are you willing to get messy? Are you getting messy? I want to challenge you. Or do you say, you know, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. I don't want to share my stuff. I don't want to be in other people's stuff. I just don't want to do it. That's not deep community. Real deep community means, okay, I'm going to step into this. If I see somebody who's struggling with something, I'm going to walk beside them. I'm going to talk to them about this. I'm going to help them through this. That also means if you are struggling with something, going to somebody to help you, dropping that pride down, because that's where we all struggle, right? Oh, I got this issue, but I don't want to tell anybody about it. That's pride. We need to drop that pride and seek help and talk to somebody. All right, let's go on to verse 47. The last one will be uh, in this week. So verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Uh, now we see that day by day, what they spent time together, and they had glad and generous hearts, and then what? And they were praising God and having favor with the people. God blessed them during this time. What? And more people were being saved. So what do we see here about community when we look at this piece that I think is so important? It is this. Community is used by God for his glory, for his glory. He is the one using the community, and he should be the one getting the glory from it. They praised him, and ultimately, God received the glory. I want to go through, and I put this in your, um, your handout, this whole passage here, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, because I wanted you to have the whole thing, because I think this is a good passage to come back to. It's kind of almost like a summary of what we've been talking about that Paul lays out here, and it's good to mark it up, underline it, circle things, do anything you can to it to remember as we go through this. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So we see there, stopping just for a second, that what? He gave all these jobs and all these people for what? For equipping and building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain, what? The unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, what Paul has done there, he's summarized really what we've been talking about this whole time. This idea of, first of all, that we need to grow up. As a body and as Christians, we need to grow up. And what does that look like? He lays it out here in what it looks like. 
We need to speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. We are to look more like Christ. And in that, we need to glorify God in how we act and what we do. And there at the very end, it says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The body glorifies God. Now it says, grow up in every way into him who is the head. So when we talk about the head, it's this perfect illustration that we look at, that, that he lays out here. If we are the body, and we say that all the time, and Christ is the head, he is the head of the body. Then what? That we are all members of the body, we are parts of the body, which means each and every one of us is made differently in the body. Each of us has a different a function. He's made each one of us different, given us different gifts and talents and abilities. But we're all functioning as the same body with the same head, which is Christ. It's pointing always to glorify God in what we do. I heard this this past week, and I thought it was such a, a good story. Uh, Pastor uh, J.D. Greer talked about this verse, and he was talking about when we are the body, what happens is, if you think about the body and, like, how we battle each other and when we disagree and what happens. So if you in the body and something happens, there's a disagreement, it's like you think about the hand and the hand. Like, these two hands, right? If this hand is mad at this hand, and so what happens? It punches this hand, maybe this hand pulls this finger off, like, and all this, it cuts it, like, it's destroying this hand. So what is actually being hurt in the process of this hand hurting this hand? It's hurting me. It's hurting the body. Because the bigger picture is when we look at the body of Christ, when there is dysfunction, when there's chaos, when there's fighting and disagreements, the body is what gets hurt. And that means God is not getting glorified through that. When we when we see dysfunction, when we see disagreements in that way and, and behavior that is, uh, you know, like on Facebook, that does not glorify God. That is this hand hurting this hand. And what is happening? The body is the one getting hurt. The body is the one getting hurt. And we need to bring that together. So community is used by God for his glory, for his glory. So what is our next step today? Our next step as we look through this is glorify God through community. Glorify God through community. So what does that look like to glorify God through community? First, you have to be part of the community. So if you are here today and you're like, well, I'm not even sure if I'm a believer. I don't know if I really understand what that means. If you're here today and you understand that you have been born into sin, all of us are born into sin, because of the fall, uh, there's only one way that we can have that relationship restored to God the Father, and that is through the perfect atonement and sacrifice of Jesus. That is why he came to live, and that is why he died. So that perfect sacrifice could uh, help us to be restored to God the Father. Once that happens, you surrender your life to Christ, what? then you get this beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit. And then you are part of the community. You are part of the community. We have that in common. So I would ask you, if you are part of the community, are you investing in the body? Are you serving? Are you connected? That is so important because I don't want anybody to be part of the body. It breaks my heart when people come to church and then, I, and then we don't see them for like weeks. And then all of a sudden they say, well, well, nobody reached out to me. I wasn't here. Nobody reached out to me. 
And that breaks my heart when that happens. Because I don't want anybody to look at it like that. You need to be reaching out to other people, and then we need to have this as a community together. So if you are here today and you feel alone, there is a room full of people here that you can connect with, that you can talk to. I'd be happy to talk to you after the service at the connect area to make that connection. So are you invested? Are you connected? And there's different ways. There's life group. There's classes you can go to. There, if you're a student, there's youth, youth events that, that we have on Sunday morning and on Wednesday and Sunday night. There's so many different ways to get plugged in. The last thing I would ask is, are you known? And we talk about this all the time. Are you known? That means the transparency is there and you're willing to be open to other people. You can be here. You can be sitting in this room, but you may not be known. So are you known with other people and are you willing to be known? And that works both ways. We need to be reaching out to people and people need to be reaching out to other people. Like it's a two-way thing. It's a, it's a two-way thing. Um, let yourself be known. John 13, 34, and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Once again, love for one another shows what? Glorifies God. God is glorified through community when we love one another. Superficial community won't cut it. And you've got to come to that fact and realization. You can have a 1,000 friends on Facebook, but you don't have community, not real, deep community. And that is why we meet together. It is hard. It is messy. So are you ready to get messy? I hope you are. God uses these relationships to grow us into what? The image of his son, the image of his son. Remember, Ephesians 4.15 says this. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. We have to grow up, and that means we grow up together. You know, our saying at this church that is out there on the wall is what? Real life change. I love that because that is what we're about. Real life change. If you come into this church, that is who we want to be. It's like we're changing our lives. Why? Because of Christ. It is a real life change thing. But I would love to if it said real life change together. Together. And I think that that is very important because that is what we're doing and working together as a community. Real community is what God wants. You weren't made to do, to do it alone. And I don't want anybody here to be alone. It's his plan. A Christian without church is what? A Christian in trouble. So the church is made for community. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today just thankful. You have just blessed us in so many ways. Father, with so many people coming and attending the church, Father, we just are so thankful for this community. But we know that we need to glorify you through this community. It is only because of you that we're here. So, Father, I pray that there are relationships that are being developed. I pray that you continue to move uh, through the Holy Spirit in these relationships as we reach out to others, as we're transparent with others, as we are uh, going to be known to others, and as we grow together. Father, we know it is messy. And we know you call us to that. 
So, Father, we just need to be prepared to get in the mess. And, Father, the whole time we are going to be pointing towards you and seeking your guidance and seeking your truth. So, Father, we're so thankful for the, the scripture that we read today. And we just pray that uh, throughout this week that you help us to be known to our community around us. And we want deep, real deep relationships. So, Father, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you have questions about this message or about the Ridge Church, you can contact us at info at theridgechurch.net. Have a blessed day.